Well, if everyone could make their way back to their seats, we're going to get started. So good to see you all here this morning. Thanks so much for coming. And if you could open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1 is going to be our scripture this morning. And we are in the midst of a series, guests, entitled Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. And we're in the book of 1 Samuel now. We're beginning that right here in 1 Samuel chapter 1. You know, interestingly, in the providence of God, this passage here, 1 Samuel 1, is sort of like the classic child dedication scripture that is always used for child dedications because it's the story of when Hannah dedicates her son Samuel to the Lord. So I just want to let you know that wasn't planned. That's just a God thing. God did it. And I was just marveling at that just uh, as I was preparing for this message of just how good God was to have this opening passage from 1 Samuel be the one that we have on our child dedication. And so God is so good. 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. So if you could open to God's Word with me, let's read the Word of the Lord together. The birth of Samuel. Verse 1. There was a certain man of Ramath-Zephim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but I will give to your servant a son, but will give to your servant a son, Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. 
They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren is born seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings the life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of His faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail." The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them He will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. The title of the message this morning is, For this child I prayed. Let's let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And we ask that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning to all of our hearts. Help us to know and learn about and love and believe in and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps for the very first time, some of us. And Lord, for others, Lord, deepen trust that is already there. Deepen faith and love and worship for the Lord Jesus today, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I got five points here this morning. First is Hannah loved. Secondly, Hannah pained. Thirdly, Hannah committed. Fourthly, Hannah prayerful. And finally, Hannah remembered. So we learned just by way of introduction, this is a story about a child named Samuel who was dedicated to the Lord by his mother and father. 
Samuel grew up to be the last judge of Israel before the time of the kings. In fact, he's the one who, he's the prophet of the Lord who ordains and anoints both Saul king and David king later in this book, which I'm really looking forward to getting into with you. He was a prophet of the Lord and a priest who served in the house of the Lord from his youth. The story of his birth is a supernatural one and one which I believe will touch all of our hearts today. So let's look at the first point Hannah loved. Hannah was loved greatly by her husband Elkanah, but the Lord had closed her womb, 1 Samuel 1 says. The description of Elkanah's love for his wife Hannah is seen in verse 5. It says he would give Hannah a double portion of the offering, expressing just how much he loved her and favored her. She wasn't able to give him anything, but he loved her greatly anyway. And in that, that's a picture really of Christ. And when we come to the Lord, we don't bring anything to Him. But Christ graciously dies on the cross for our sins and then gives us the free gift of eternal life in Christ to anybody who repents and believes in Him. The, the, this phrase double portion, this isn't the only time it's used in Scripture. I want to point you to Isaiah 61 verse 7, which says this, Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. So salvation comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ, which takes away our shame. And it gives to us a portion of blessing greater than any bundle of temporal blessing or earthly blessing that we could ever get. Eternal blessing and everlasting joy comes to us through Jesus Christ. And there is nothing more important, friend, than that portion. And it's ours who have believed in Christ Because God has greatly loved us and has called us His treasured possession. The Lord of hosts, as He's described here, has fought for us and has died for us and has risen from the dead for us that He might save us from the wrath of God that was justly aimed at our sins. got to understand, Christ, when He hung up on the cross, He died as a substitute for sinners. Ponder that. Christ died as a substitute for sinners. So any sinner who repents and believes in Jesus, all of the justice, all of the wrath that our sins deserve, Christ stepped in front of us and took that bullet. Christ stepped up and said, I will take that punishment that Sibietter the sinner deserves. And when he did that, oh, brothers and sisters, to say that we are on the receiving end of a double portion of blessing is an understatement, but that's what Scripture calls it, a double portion that has removed not only the guilt of our sin, but please take note of this. As Isaiah 61 says, it has also removed the shame of our sin as well. In the forgiveness that Christ gives through His shed blood on the cross, He removes and atones for the guilt, but He also removes the shame and removes our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. And God 
says in the Word that He chooses to remember our sins no more when we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus. That is great love indeed. Amen? Oh, Hannah pained. Point two. Hannah pained. Not only was Hannah barren, but she was mocked for being so. Uh, Penina was not kind to Hannah, and it had great effect on Hannah to the point where she wept and she would not eat. To be grievously provoking like this shows that Penina did not fear the Lord. So she didn't fear the Lord, and yet she was the one blessed with children, whereas Hannah, who did fear the Lord, was barren. These are mysteries to us, friends, on why God ordains what He does, but this story ends up playing out as a miracle precisely because God had ordained for it to be so hard for the woman who fears the Lord. But about her pain and suffering, it's hard enough to be suffering because the Lord has closed your womb. It's another to have a rival who has been blessed with what you long for, grievously irritating you because you're suffering, mocking you in your suffering. That adds to your suffering greatly. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced anything like that. But the Word says that it's not like this just happened as a once and done. Verse 7 says that this went on year after year. Every time Hannah would go to church, Penina would be there mocking her for not being pregnant. And she's there with her brood of children, mocking her in laughter. This was a test of Hannah's faith. And brothers and sisters and friends here, Hannah's suffering became more than a season of suffering. It became the new normal for her. She prayed and she didn't get for years. This was a hard, unrelenting trial. And when she went up to the house of God to worship the Lord, The provocation from her rival seemed to be at its worst, and it was unrelenting. So every time she went to church, there was a fresh wave of pain and humiliation that she received. Her husband loved her, but he also questioned her over her suffering, thinking that he should be enough for her, even more than ten sons. I couldn't help but think in my preparation of this message, you know, leave it to us guys to think that we're all you need, honey. If you ever want to question the veracity or the truthfulness of Scripture, right there is evidence of it. God's Word is true because that's how men act. So the Lord had closed her womb, and Elkanah is saying, aren't I enough for you? And Penina is provoking her in the background, grievously and relentlessly, and perhaps it sank her even further. In verse 10, we learn about her pain a little bit more. If you see there, it says she was deeply distressed and she wept bitterly. And here I just want to make just a note of application that church is not just meant to be for the happy people to come. Church is meant to be where the suffering come and weep before the Lord and are not judged for it. Verse 15 says, I am a woman troubled in spirit, Hannah says. She was barren. She was mocked for it. She was provoked by it. And it didn't stop. There was no relief for a long time, even though she had just kept praying. Her heart's desire was not granted to her. 
despite many prayers. And she was troubled. And on top of that, the priest himself was also misunderstanding her, thinking she was a drunken woman because the pain and distress was so deep that she was praying prayers out of the groanings of her spirit and she didn't even have volume come out. She was just silently uttering prayers. She was that deep in prayer. And instead of seeing her and being honored as the woman of God she was, she was actually misjudged, sinfully judged by the priest Eli. And yet, Hannah continued to serve the Lord. This was a woman pained. And she knew suffering. Thirdly, Hannah committed. In the midst of all her suffering and pain, she did not stop her commitment to the Lord. Oh, she's an example to each and every one of us. What a remarkable woman of God Hannah is in this passage of Scripture. She didn't stop going to the house of God. So imagine, you know that when you're going to church, is going to be at the front door mocking you as you come in, childless, because that's all you've been praying for, that's all you want, and she's there standing there with her children, unrelentingly mocking you. That's every time she goes. It would have been so easy for her to say, you know what, I'm done. Until God gives me what I'm praying for, I'm not going to church anymore. But she doesn't do that. She goes to church and stays faithful to God and to His people, even though life was filled with pain. In this, she is an example to every single one of us. Friends, by way of application to our own own lives, let us all learn from Hannah. Let us come to the house of God in our times of rejoicing. Let us come to the house of God in our times of grief and loss and our times of long seasons of unanswered prayer. Let it be that we have the heart like Job who says, Oh Lord, whether you slay me, yet will I trust you and praise you. Lord, even if you don't give me what I want, and Lord, the fig tree doesn't yield its fruit, I'm still going to come to church. What an example. Hannah is here of a persevering faith that kept going up to the Lord year after year to Shiloh with her husband, even though it wasn't easy for her. She had no one to truly help her in her troubles except God. And yet she showed faithfulness to God in the midst of being much tempted, much provoked, and also having a broken heart. Hannah reminds us of Christ, for she did not stop trusting in the Lord even when she was tempted greatly. When God didn't immediately answer her prayer, she does not give up on God. And she did not stop going to church. And she did not stop receiving ministry from the priest who sinfully judged her. Listen, people are going to let you down all the time. Don't let that be an excuse for you keeping distant from God for a lifetime. If people have let you down, if people in church in the past have hurt you, listen... God will deal with that. God will deal with that. You keep coming to the house of the Lord. Let that be in the hands of the Lord. You keep coming and worshiping the Lord and serving Him. There are people who have given up on God and have given up on the church simply because they have been failed by people. Hannah was let down by the priest Eli, but she keeps coming. And she's an example to all of us. And here I want to invite all of you. Some of you are here and you're visiting family, you're here for the child dedication, maybe you're even from out of town. Listen, friend, 
I want to urge you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, get plugged into a local church that preaches the gospel faithfully in your area. Don't be a drifter and a lone ranger Christian that never sets down roots, never grows up and grows strong to follow the Lord. And if you've never repented and trusted in Jesus, oh friend, I want to urge you to trust in Him as your Lord and Savior personally at this time and during this message. Don't let the failures of people hinder you from coming to the house of God. God has always been faithful to you. Jesus never fails you and has never failed and never will fail you. Amen. Christ was tempted and provoked in every way and yet was without sin. His victory over sin by achieving a perfect, sinless, righteous obedience to the law of God at every point caused Him to be the perfect, spotless, blemish-free Lamb who was an acceptable sacrifice for our sins. Like Hannah, Christ did not stop perfectly following and trusting in God even when every earthly blessing was taken away from Him and denied Him. Even when Jesus Christ the Son was forsaken by God the Father when He was dying on the cross for our sins, and all the men around Him were mocking Him and spitting upon Him and ridiculing Him and killing Him, He did not stop obeying and trusting the Lord. What a glorious thing it is when men and women of God display Christ-like character like Hannah, and who trust in the Lord and weep to the Lord even when He closes the womb and allows sinners to mock and provoke their suffering condition. Hannah went to the house of God even when God closed her womb. What an amazing woman. Amen? May we go to the house of the Lord when life is filled with pain as well. And thank you, church, for your example in that. And I pray that that would also spur all of us on to come and worship at the house of the Lord in good times and in times of sorrow. Point four, Hannah prayerful. She did not grow bitter toward God or resentful toward Him for closing her womb and allowed God allowed her rival to provoke her. Instead, she did not stop going to the Lord in prayer and she wept before the Lord in faith. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Call upon the Lord. Let us trust this promise from God, and when we are broken in life, we should go before God like Hannah, and not give up praying to the Lord, and seeking His face. When we're deeply distressed, let us remember that our God understands. He sent His Son down into the greatest and deepest distress. So much so that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, the stress was so great, the pressure was so strong in Jesus' head as He knew He had to go to the cross and die for you and me the next day, that His sweat became like drops of blood because the capillaries burst in His head and it became like drops of blood pouring down. That's how great the strain was, the distress was for Jesus. And he cried out to his father to give him relief. And if it was possible to even take the cup from him altogether, but it was not possible for Jesus to have the cup removed from him 
In order for any of us in this room to die and go to heaven, Jesus needed to drink the cup of God's wrath on the cross in our place because one of us had to drink it in order for justice to be satisfied. God could not have overlooked a holy God. In His justice, He could not have overlooked our sin and just swept it under the carpet. But God provided the substitute, Jesus Christ. But please make no mistake about it. Dying on the cross for us as our substitute was not an easy thing for Jesus. It strained Him to the uttermost of human exertion. No one else has ever been strained as much as Jesus was strained when He pondered taking your sin and your guilt and your shame upon Himself on the cross. When He pondered taking my sin and dying as my substitute, He buckled up under it in Gethsemane and He said, Oh, if it's possible, Father, take this cup from me. And yet, not as I will, but as You will. And He got silence. Jesus knows what it's like to cry out in prayer to the Father and get silence. He did not get delivered from the cross. Even though all the power of Almighty God could have delivered Him. So great was the love of God the Father that He sent His only Son to die on the cross for our sins so that anyone who repents and believes in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Hannah prayed to God in her distress and she wept. What good news it is to know that as we pray to God, In our distress, He understands. We have a high priest who sympathizes with us in our weakness. And He begs and He comes and He calls us to come and find mercy and grace in time of need. Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, Jesus knows the distress and the provocations of many Penina-like people when He was offering Himself beautifully up to God. He was mocked and ridiculed in the most grievous ways. And he understands praying and getting silence on the other end. And Jesus said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. That was an expression of his resolve to continue to obey the Father and continue to trust the Father perfectly all the way through even unto death. And it is that obedience of Jesus that has saved the souls of every person in here who has trusted in Him. Hannah didn't stop going before the Lord and serving Him and praying to Him, even after year after year of remaining barren. Oh, friends, let us emulate her example. You know, life here in this fallen world for Jesus, the Son of God, was not easy. We can learn something from Him. We can take our greatest and most desperate pleas before our God in prayer like Hannah did and pour out our souls to God in prayer because Jesus did so with loud cries and tears. Do you know that the Word of God says in Hebrews 5, verse 7, in the days of His flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. To him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. 
Jesus came here and He understands being so deeply distressed that loud cries and tears are the only response that He can give. Jesus knew the depths of soul that Hannah was facing here. He understands praying so deeply that the noises can't even come out of your mouth as you're praying because you are so desperate for God that no noise is even coming out. Jesus knows that. He came alongside of Hannah in this. And He could come alongside of you no matter what you are facing right now. Let me urge all of us by way of application, don't turn to false refuges to try to cope your way through the distresses and sorrows of this life. Turn to Jesus Christ as your refuge. Turn to Him and pour out your heart to Him as Hannah did. And let the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, save you and also restore your soul. I love how it says here in 1 Samuel 1, that even before Hannah had the request of her son Samuel, and the conception of Samuel in her womb, she walked away from the house of God with her face no longer sad because she entered into the house of the Lord and she prayed and laid it down. Take what you're carrying and lay it down before an all-compassionate Savior and He will touch you in a way that no human being can touch you. God is a God of compassion who loves to hear your cry. Look to Him and you can walk away even still in the midst of your trial transformed and on the receiving end of new life. I love the way Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. Oh, I love that phrase. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Listen, if prayer to you is like some formulaic thing that you just kind of hit repeat and just have it flow over and over and over again robotically and lifeless, no. The Christian life and the life of faith in God is meant to be a pouring out of our heart and soul to God, knowing that He's compassionate and He's there and He loves us. So whatever you're facing, oh, pour out your heart to Him and you will find that God is a refuge for you. We can go to God and we can receive a peace that transcends all understanding by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Even though we don't yet get what we desire, God gives us Himself. And when God gives us Himself, we can walk away still empty-handed, but our face no longer sad like Hannah walking out of the house of the Lord in the presence of Eli. Here, by way of application and discipleship, I just want to urge all of us, let God be enough for you. Is God enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? Is your hope in this life, in the gifts of God, rather than in the giver? Go to God. Encounter Him in prayer. Seek His face until you arise and your face is no longer sad because He has personally assured you of His dying love for you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit testify with your spirit, child of God, that you are in fact a child of God, which is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to a true Christian. Pour out your soul to Him and watch the Holy Spirit work to renew 
and restore you and revive your heart so you can get up and wipe the tears off your face and rise and serve the Lord again. Amen. And the fifth and final point is Hannah is remembered. Hannah is remembered. If you look at verse 19, I love this verse of Scripture. They rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord. And then they went back to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah's wife. And look at this phrase. And the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered Hannah. The name Samuel sounds in the Hebrew like the word for heard from God. Heard from God. God did hear Hannah's prayers and granted her request in His perfect timing. How kind of Him. And Hannah, amazingly, she is true to her vow. Verses 21-24 through display her commitment to God once again and that she follows through on her will to devote her son Samuel wholly to the Lord. Look at what her burden is for her son in verse 22. Hannah did not go up initially to the house of God when the child was still very young, Samuel. For she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him. And here's her desire as his mom. And all moms, let this moms, grandmoms, dads, grandfathers, all of us, let's look at this. Let this be the uppermost desire for our children and our grandchildren in our speech to them and in our prayers for them and our hopes for them in this life. Look at what she says. As soon as the child is weaned, I'll bring him. And here's why. So that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. That's a mom who's got the right vision for her kids. She knows that the temporal blessings of this life mean nothing in comparison to heaven or hell forever. And she says, I want my son to appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Let all of us as parents and grandparents cry out to God above all other things in this life for our children and our grandchildren to know the Lord, to believe in the Lord Jesus as John mentioned today during the child dedication when we prayed for these children here so that they may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Christian parents, it's very possible to say, yeah, that is my greatest desire for my kid. And yet, in the practical realities of your life, God's not number one. Serving God and serving His people in church, it's not number one. It's lip service. I want my kid to know the Lord. But it's not backed up by action and discipleship and example. It's possible for us to have a longing in our heart for our children to make it to heaven, but to not do everything that we can possibly do as parents to urge them to lay hold of eternal life in Jesus through our own words and through our own example as moms and dads. Hannah and Elkanah both desired for their son Samuel to serve the Lord and to appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Let us all take to heart 
where perhaps we have fallen in love with this present world and our longings for our children have drifted, not just of hopes of heaven, but longings to see them be prosperous here on this earth and in this life. That longing for them to succeed here in the world's eyes can start to supersede the longing to see them and their souls safeguarded on the way to heaven. And we as fathers need to take the responsibility, men. And moms, you as moms, rise up and be like Hannah who said that this is the desire for my son, that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. I love Hannah's example, don't you? And we have so many women of God in Christ Community Church that that is their desire. And some of you may have children that have already been raised and are not following the Lord right now. Can I encourage you? Enter into the prayer life of Hannah for your son or for your daughter who is wayward or who has drifted, who has wandered away from God. Listen, my wife, Shannon, I love the way she says this all the time to me. She says, CB, the story's not over yet. Keep praying and go on praying for your little one, your baby, your child, but also your little baby who's 50 years old. (laughs) Cry out to God on his behalf. Cry out to God, sister, for your son and your daughter and your grandson and your granddaughter. And don't give up all the way until you get to heaven. There'll be many, many uh, man and woman in heaven because of the prayers of faithful moms and dads and grandmoms and grandfathers. May we all glorify God in this way. Hannah kept her vow. And I love the way she lent Samuel to the Lord all the days of her life. She didn't look at her child as her child first. She looked at her child as this is God's child. And I'm putting this child in God's hands. I'm entrusting him and his life to him and to his service. I'm lending him to the Lord. And I'm trusting that God is going to work through him. So Hannah was remembered of the Lord. When it says she was remembered, she conceived and she brought forth Samuel. And look at this prayer. I love, if you have time later on, read through again 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 11, and just celebrate just the goodness of God seen in that, that, that prayerful praise that Hannah offers up. She's so thankful that the Lord remembered her and poured out this blessing that she just can't help but just burst out in praise and thankfulness to God which should be an example to every single one of us. You know, Matthew Henry writes about this utterance here, and particularly if you look at the end of verse 10, it says, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. So the judgment of God's coming. Repent and believe while there's still time, unbeliever. But then it says, The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king. This is Hannah. He will give strength to his king. There's no king in Israel right now. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Hannah's prayer here in 1 through 11 is the first mention of the anointed one, the Messiah, in all of Scripture. And it comes through this broken woman who was in the ashes, whom God raised up and remembered and enabled her to conceive her son Samuel to serve as her heart had longed for. And she bursts forth in this praise. And she doesn't even know it at this time. 
But her son Samuel is actually going to be the means God uses to anoint the anointed one, King David, who is Jesus Christ's great, 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 great grandfather who would come and lay his life down on the cross as the anointed one, suffer and die for our sins, and rise up from the dead to save those who believe. This passage is awesome. This story is awesome. This woman, what an example she is. And I just love how God uses Hannah to bring up the first mentioning of the anointed one. That's just awesome of God. I love that detail. All because, by grace, Hannah was remembered by God. I want to hone in on that word remembered and I'll close. When the Bible says that God remembered something, it's not implying forgetfulness. God always remembers. It's part of His nature. The statement that God remembered places an emphasis on His faithfulness and everlasting care. In each passage that says God remembered, we see that the phrase is followed by some sort of action or work on behalf of God's people. So when God remembered Noah and his family floating in the ark, he caused the wind to blow, which began to dry up the water and cover the earth. In Exodus 2, God remembers his people who were enslaved to the Egyptians. And in the very next chapter, God sets in motion his plan to free the Israelites out of slavery. Psalm 98 speaks of God's continual action toward his people. So what is God remembering us? It's God's continual action toward his people. That's from Michael Haldman. I want to read this scripture to you. Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Oh, though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me, Isaiah 49, 14-16 says. Oh, He has engraved us on the palms of His hands. So deep is His love for us. And I want to highlight this quote by Karen Waddles who says this, God cements His promise by engraving our names on His hands. My concerns are ever before the Lord. This is what it means to be remembered by the Lord. My concerns are ever before the Lord, day by day, moment by moment. Do you believe that? That your concerns, beloved, are ever before the Lord day by day, moment by moment. There is never a time when He is not thinking about me. And He makes this promise to every one of His children. You are on His mind, beloved, at this very moment. What comfort. What peace. For those who by the grace of God have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus. When Christ died on that cross and received in His body the wrath of God, He remembered you. And He blessed you by being your shield 
and absorbing all the punishment that you and I would have endured forever in hell, He endured it on the cross so that anybody in this room who repents and trusts in Jesus might not perish, might not receive the wrath of God, but might have in its place eternal life. A joyful, eternal future in heaven with Jesus. Who, by the way, it says, He's engraved you on the palm of His hands. And lest, lest we not forget, let's not forget this. Those are hands that have been pierced for us. If I can have the worship and return, let's pray together. Lord, like we see here, there's no one like You. We love to sing that there's no one like You. Because there's not. Lord, who else would have loved wanderers and sinners like us? We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have turned to our own way. But You have chosen to lay upon Your Anointed One, to lay upon Your suffering servant, Your Son Jesus, the iniquity and sin of us all. Almighty God, the cross is sufficient for every sinner in this room to be forgiven by. Lord, I pray that You would open up the hearts of every single person here to believe in You and trust in You while there's still time. We know You're going to return like Hannah talks about in judgment. And then, Lord, the gates will close and there will be, never be a second chance after that. But for now, you say in your word, today is the day of salvation. And come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God, I pray that everyone here would turn to you in repentance and faith. And every Christian here would be encouraged by what joy, what peace, what comfort comes from the fact that you remember us. Like Hannah, you remember us. Oh, Jesus, there is indeed no one like you. Be glorified as we sing praise to your name in closing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Lord, there is no one like you. There's no one like you. Lord, I pray we would remember this day, Lord, that you have remembered us. That you are faithful. Lord, Your Word says, even when we are faithless, You are faithful. We just thank You, Lord, for that kind of love. Kind of love that we wouldn't know if it weren't for You. I pray we would all be restored and refreshed in that love and encouraged as we go out today, we face our next week. We seek You, O Lord, and pray in Your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.